And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by the Lorndon Timepiece. They never tell correct time, and they'll probably cause cataclysmic disaster. But man, are they fancy. Previously on Cautious Optimism. Your Chloro engines are offline. This is the problem with transferring through the time bubble. It tears everything apart. Were we to boost the amount of the organisms or the acceleration of their feeding patterns, it would indeed output more energy. There's signs of internal microscopic trauma throughout the body. We either have to get rid of this time bubble or we're going to have to go back through it. This space station, either way, is going to have to be dismantled from the inside to fix my ship. I'm incredibly tired of Lorndon's messing up our stuff. If there's a chance that we are not going to be able to leave here, we definitely need to make sure that no one else wanders in here. I guess we should clean up and head to the meeting. I'm ready. Hello, Cautious Optimism. Aurora Borealis Shand. A human woman. I'm not interested in, in selling this ship. She has a huge smile on her face. She was, she's very important to me. Hank Crawford. Engineers. Bad news, good news. Uh, bad news, fuel leak. Coming and going from the spaceport. Good news, I found duct tape. Cayenne Brunt. A mature. I am a doctor. A nine foot tall, four armed creature. I don't care if they call me, hey, you, just let me do my job. Rico. Humanoid. I'm observing you. Cat person. It's for science. Toss. A slimy, gelatinous. Mm, what are you hauling? Goo thing. Thank you, Cautious Optimism. Welcome to the station. During the night, at some point, uh, how do you pronounce Cayenne? Cayenne? Cayenne. 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 Like a a kayak, but without the ack at the end. So at some point during the night, Cayenne takes a nap. (laughs) Cayenne, like a kayak. (laughs) With an end. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Joe, I, you need to rename your character. He needs to yeah, I just got to just like get a, I'm just going to get a new name. Long lost Joe. middle name that's just like my family calling me Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, at some point during the night, Joe's character takes <laughs> takes a nap and you have the strangest dream. You're in the cockpit of the cautious optimism, mm-hmm. and you're very excited. Something has, has just gone right, and you're feeling really good. And there's this terrible thud noise, and you're a little confused about that, but you're still feeling good because something, something has just gone very well. And then you see your good friend Hank floating forward out of the ship feet first. 
He's wearing his uh, his spacesuit and helmet, but you're really confused in that moment. Why is he flying out of the ship? And then there's a transition, and you feel like you're you're in a different part of the cautious optimism now, and you have a whole different mindset. You're thinking different thoughts and feeling different things. And you look down, you're holding two cups of coffee in your furry hands, and you look out the viewport and you see Hank flying out feet first, like you just saw a moment ago, but this is from a different perspective. And this time you look down at the two cups of coffee and you have the thought, well, I guess I can drink his now. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's another transition and you feel like, again, you're another different person You're looking out a window, but it's not a window on the cautious optimism. It's much larger. It's more reminiscent of the space station you just landed on. And there's someone floating outside the window again, but it's not Hank this time. It's the chief engineer that you just met, Argbar Zoo. And she's not wearing a spacesuit, and she's dead. And that's the last dream you remember before you wake up. Okay, that was disturbing. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know what exactly what yeah, to do with well, that. Yeah, well, I mean, you had a um, bunch of weird dreams. It's not terribly unusual. So, uh... You know it was a dream because one thing went right for just a split second on the cautious optimism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it at all feel reminiscent to how he felt when he accidentally pricked himself with the drugs a couple episodes ago? When you very specifically try to compare it to that experience, yes, there is a similarity. Okay, he is going to make his way to the captain's room and knock. Yeah, come in. Hey, I am sorry to bother you, and it may be nothing, but you remember when I had that episode with the drugs we were trying to fix up and suddenly could tell the future? I do remember that. God, that would have been a useful thing to have still. Well, (laughs) um, I just had a series of dreams that really felt like that. What did you see in the dreams? I saw Hank floating out of the ship and into space. Again? Yeah. I don't know. This time thing has gotten me very... I, I don't necessarily feel all myself right now. I'm a little fuzzy and out of it, but... I just have a really bad feeling, and I don't know what to do with it. Okay, I'm sorry I interrupted you. What what, what else happened in the dreams? <sighs> well, I, I, it was almost like I was seeing it from your eyes and Rico's eyes and somebody on the space station's eyes, and it was just engineers floating away. It was very, <laughs> very concerning, and I'm not able to settle it in my mind. It's not like a regular dream. You said engineers, plural. We only have one engineer. Yes, but it's ours, and then the one from the space station. Oh, well, maybe they had a similar incident. Yeah, so are they working on something together soon? Like, in the same location? I don't know, but we should probably check. So, Todd, what time is it? Is it close to everybody waking up and... Yeah, it's probably like 30 minutes from meeting time, I guess. Well, then let's go visit Hank. Hold on, we're putting ourselves into a time continuum, because I've already been to your room this morning, so I don't know if this happened before or after I showed up. Well, you showed up to give me the tape. Well, we have to say this between the doctor 
<laughs> and uh, Rory must have happened after Hank's visit because I don't know any way for it okay. to make sense beforehand. Got it. Yeah, I just assumed that your meeting happened at the beginning of the night and mine happened the next morning, like, but early. No, mine was post eight hour roll and Todd had already described what I fixed. So, oh, okay. So, all right. So, shortly after. <laughs> yeah, Hank came by first and I wasn't ready to leave yet. And then yeah. uh, Kyan Ky- Ky- comes by and now I'm ready to go to the meeting. Perfect. Yeah, I should be in my room washing grease off of my elbows. Hank saw me in my gym jams. I was wearing my pajamas. <laughs> Scandalous. But being the self-respecting man he is now, he's made no comment of them. That's right. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> All right. So we go to where Hank is singing happy birthday twice and washing his hands. And I think Kyan's going to relay the dream to Hank again in as much detail as he did for the captain. And, you know, say, are, what, what exactly are you doing today? Well... First of all, let me say the dream is quite ominous, and I don't know that I like the sound of it, but I will be wearing my space suit doing any operations today. <laughs> Alas, you and Rico were working on the special diet for the chlorodrive organisms, and I imagined that me and Miss Zoo would be implementing some level of that plan at some point today, whether it be feeding them or incorporating our drives into their power systems for power generation. So that would be what we would be working on at some point today. All right. I think we need to be exceedingly careful when we do this because I'm not feeling good about any of it. All right. Do you guys want to do anything else or should we fast forward to the meeting then? To the meeting. To the meeting! To the meeting. So about meeting time, medical doctor Harfu Dahl comes to the cautious optimism. He is a male Dulon. He has a little computer chip sticking out of his forehead and another one in the back of his head. And he comes and kind of waves up at the ship. And when you guys come out to meet him, he says, uh, Hello, I'd like to escort you guys to the meeting room. I, I know you don't know your way around the station, so you probably don't even know where you're going, huh? I just follow him. If you thought I looked pissed off yesterday, I'm stoic and just deadpan, laser focused, just following him. Wow. Your captain is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me, guys. Uh, You know, uh, a lot of the other guys on the ship are worried about, you know, you're going to use more life support and more oxygen and everything. But I, for one, am... Darn happy to have some fresh faces on the station. You know how boring it gets living with the same five other people for over a year? Hank looks around like, nah, no idea what that's like. No clue. No clue at all. Uh, Don't get me wrong. They're mostly good people, but it's nice to have someone new to talk to. Indeed. It's not a very big station, so it doesn't take long to get to a conference room. Where you see the other folks are already there and seated. Lead scientist Sihi Fee is at the head of the table. The Lorndon Harvu Urs is there as well. The human scientist Cynthia Kanor is there. Medical doctor Harfu Dahl just walked in with you and he takes a seat. Jaxu Fanglor, the Zornardian, humanoid but covered in fur, long claws, he's there. You don't see Chief Engineer Arg Barzu 
And you do see a bunch of chairs that don't match the rest of the furniture have been set up. They're all kind of close together. All the chairs are kind of close together at this point. They've clearly brought in some extra chairs for you guys to have seats and be part of this. And as you all sit down, lead scientist Sihifi says, Welcome. Welcome to the meeting. Thank you for coming, crew of the Cautious Optimism. In light of recent discoveries, i.e. that the time dilation is accelerating and is unstable, along with the fact that we can no longer hold out hope, I feel, that we're going to receive a shipment of antimatter power cores or any other help from the outside world. From what our new friends have told me, our distress signals and orders have not reached the outside world and our communications continue to sound like unintelligible beeps. So we're on our own, folks, which means it's time to reassess all the ideas we've had before and come up with new ones on how to get out of this mess. And the thing that's changed since the last time we talked about options, besides the bad news, is that we have a spaceship now that we didn't have before. And we've got some fresh faces with fresh ideas and new experiences that may have a different way of looking at things. So I think it's a good time to reassess our options. Now, I know the last time we spoke, we ran into a lot of dead ends because all of our ideas require power and we don't have power. But maybe, just maybe, we can get some power from that spaceship and bring some of our old ideas to life. I'm still a proponent of my wormhole research being a solution. If I can get power to what I think is probably a functional wormhole generator, I just haven't been able to test it, we might be able to open a wormhole inside the bubble that we could fly the cautious optimism through with all of us on board, of course, And she'll pop out on the other side of the wormhole in regular time. And that would save us from having to transition through the barrier, which seems to be the cause of all the damage to both ships and people. We have to get the power to run the wormhole generator, but I like that option. And then she looks over at Cynthia Kanor, the human female, and says, Cynthia, what about you? And Cynthia looks around kind of nervously. And says, well, I, I, I still think that I might be able to generate some power using the gravitational pull of the three suns. It hasn't really worked yet, but may, maybe, maybe I'll try harder and see if I can make that work. Because if we could generate power that way, we could run all our other ideas and maybe something will work. So I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to redouble my efforts on generating power from gravity. And then she very quickly looks down at her notes and just stops talking. Lead scientist Sihi Fi looks towards medical doctor Harfu Dahl that you just met and says, and I know in, in the past you've been reluctant to feel like you could contribute much, doctor, but do you have any ideas? Any, any crazy ideas on the table right now? There are no bad ideas. And the doctor says, uh, well, I don't know anything about this. I, I, can, I can keep giving you guys food from my garden and fixing up your boo-boos. 
that's really all I can contribute. Oh, um, Hyden's gonna inter- interrupt. <laughs> Hand, four hands, four hands up. <laughs> yeah, and Rico's like is literally like pricked up in that like suddenly caught the cat's attention, like the one that is currently sitting on my lap, digging her claws into my knees. <laughs> Our food all looks at the two of you and says, "Uh, yes." <laughs> did, did you just say garden? Yes, yes. I I have a a, a makeshift hydroponics bay. <gasps> well, that's extremely helpful. Oh, I I know. We wouldn't have had enough food to last this long if it hadn't been for that. No, no, no. Not for food. Not for food. For feeding the organisms in our chloro drive. Perhaps I should give our idea, guys. Oh, now that we have new information. Uh, yes, yes. Go ahead, Hunk. As the the illustrious doctor and chief biologist of the Cautious Optimism have stated, we are in a dire need. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yike. wow! We are being attacked by dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's an attack from the dog, the canine. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the canine has returned for revenge. <laughs> Take two. It's a good job I've got earbuds in right now, or else I think my knees would have just been shredded. (laughs) (laughs) So as I was saying, Dr. Fu, it is quite convenient you do have a hydroponics farm as our ship runs on chloro drives. And as I'm sure you're aware, they feed on waste and have been in service in space for a few months and aren't operating at optimal levels. However, it has been brought to our attention by the illustrious Raven, and I'll nod to her. Rico. Uh, Yeah, that person, the cat. I will nod to Rico and say, has discovered that should we feed our microorganisms a proper diet of plant-based food, that we could generate enough power to potentially get the time dilation system on so that we can reverse the bubble and maybe pop it. Oh, that's interesting. It had never occurred to me that plants could be used to make energy in that fashion. Now, the fruits and vegetables that I'm growing are different in order to make them work in the gravity and with the phase-shifted sunlight that we're getting in here. They've all had to be modified a bit, but I can't imagine why they wouldn't still work. We should take a look at what I have to offer and, and see if you guys think it would help you out. Yes, yes, we definitely should. This sounds like we have a promising lead. That's great. And lead scientist C.H. Fee says, that's the most exciting thing I've heard in a while. This might actually work then. But Dr. Harfudal, you didn't make any mention of the medical issues. We might want to brief our new arrivals on that as well. And he says, oh, well, the good news is you guys aren't going to have any effects from the the time dilation for some time but the bad news is if we don't get you off the station in about six months or so you're gonna start having some of the same symptoms that the rest of us are experiencing which is to say that because the time dilation is not stable in here there are still small waves of time being faster in one square meter of space than another or slower or whatnot. And as our bodies move through these bubbles of time being slightly shifted, there are negative effects on our, our brains and neuropathways, nervous system. We've started having problems where people are 
having uncontrollable twitches, spasms occasionally, blacking out, convulsions, things of that nature. Basically, the time dilations in this bubble start to mess with your brain and your brain's ability to send signals to the rest of your body. But like I say, you should be perfectly safe for the first six months or so. So nothing to worry about. As far as a cure or or anything, I I don't have the resources. Maybe, maybe our new friends, our, our Matorb, who I understand is a medical doctor, maybe maybe they could be of some assistance with that. And he looks directly at Joe's character. <laughs> <laughs> Kyan nods and says, I'd be glad to do anything I can to help you find a cure for these anomalies. See, he, he says, great. Well, that's, that's good. Maybe, uh, and maybe we can just escape the bubble and it won't be, maybe our condition will be cured as soon as we get out of this time bubble and our new friends won't ever experience it to begin with if we get out of here fast enough. All right, what about you? And she looks at the Zornardian. Says, Jaxu Fanglor, do you have any ideas? And he says, yes, we have a spaceship, yes. And we have much metal on our station. And it is no good. The station, it is no good. I say... We dismantle the station, parts of the station, take the metal, we put it on the spaceship, we reinforce the spaceship, we put all the metal on the spaceship, make the spaceship strong, we get on spaceship, we fly through time, bubble, border, and we go home. That is my idea. If anyone is looking towards Rory's direction, you may notice that she has just powered down her pistol. See, he does not notice. (laughs) I don't think Rory's becoming slightly less angry. And she just shakes her head and says, The ship might survive if we reinforce it enough, but I'm not convinced that we, the living people, would survive the transition. No matter how much metal you put on the outside of the ship, our bodies still have to go through the barrier. It doesn't seem safe, but. I mean, we can keep it in mind as a backup plan. How about that? So Rory speaks up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we can do two things at once. I like, I like this plan from this, from this uh, Jaxu Fangalore. Jaxu looks at you and nods. And she says, well, okay. I guess there's no harm in starting to reinforce the whole of the cautious optimism while the rest of us are pursuing other things. Uh, Jaxu, if you want to work with Argbarzu and uh, also uh, Mr. Hank, is that right? Yes, Hank. All right. Yeah, work with Hank on that plan, on reinforcing the hull. And uh, yeah, yeah, sounds sounds like a plan. All right. Wait a minute. Where is your engineer? Why is she not at this meeting? She is fixing a problem. There was a power drain in one of the star modules. And she's down there right now and trying to trying to repair it. We can't afford any sort of energy leaks. I immediately look at Kyan. Yeah, and I immediately look at the captain and I'm like, we need to go there right now. Well we haven't I just get up. We haven't had a chance to talk to our Lorndon 
friend. <laughs> Kyan puts his hand up and all four of them, he goes, I think we've heard everything we need to hear about our possibilities. I think it's much more important to get to the engineering bay and figure out what's going on down there. Oh, well, okay. He's just going to tell us the same thing anyway. We need power to work my time machine. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let's go find our engineer, everybody. <laughs> and everyone seems perfectly happy with getting up, except for the Lorndon, who's looking around, and all three of his arms are up like, what? But he says nothing. <laughs> just the way we want it to be. <laughs> exactly. Hush, hush, potential food for our machine. Hush. <laughs> you, di- you didn't even bring up that plan. That thought did cross my mind. As you guys are making your way towards the star drive, where Sihifi is leading you, where the engineer is, all of a the sudden there is a terrible explosion. And for a moment, the lights go out and artificial gravity disappears, at which point you feel yourself being pulled in three different directions, but not very strong. Not like it's going to rip you apart or anything. It's just weird. <laughs> and then the lights come back on and the artificial gravity comes back on, but there's the horrible exploding noise is still going on. Just it's a little quieter now. And see, he fee goes to the closest computer terminal and starts pushing a bunch of buttons. She says, we had to disable the voice system to save power. I'm trying to find out what happened. According to this, the star drive Arg Barzu was in is gone. And you see Har food all goes over to one of the windows and opens the shade, and outside you see a whole bunch of metal floating in space. He says, oh my gosh, the whole star drive's been ripped off the station. Does anybody see the engineer? And sure enough, in that moment, Hank, you see Arg Barzu floating amongst the debris, not wearing a spacesuit. It is exactly like in your dream. In Kyan's dream, but yes. Right. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> I messed up the big dramatic moment. It's the dream that I was co-acting in, though. There you go. You were in there. I will visibly gulp and be like, oh, boy. And then Har Food All says, I see her. It's too late. Do we know why this happened? Like, is this going to happen in other parts of the station? Because we need to know that as soon as possible. It's a possibility. As the time dilations increase, the stresses that the different speeds of time are putting on the hull and the ship and our systems and our bodies is increasing. If the star drive was in a part of time that was going a sufficiently different speed than the rest of the station, it could have been sheared away by different parts of the station going at different speeds. Could also even create another distortion field, the transition field between the two different time zones, like at the edge of the bubble. Something like that must have happened. And then the star drive lost integrity and was ripped away from the station. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. We have to get the body back. We have to give her some kind of proper, not a burial, I guess, but something. I'm going to send one of the tugs to go bring her in. They're unmanned, yeah? They're unmanned, yeah. It's AI-driven. It's the same one that brought your ship in. All right. Kyan's, there's nothing you can do about the engineer at this point, but... He asks anybody from the science station that would know, do you guys have like stasis chambers like for long distance travel? Do you have anything that allows for people to power down or cryo sleep or anything like that? Medical doctor Harfood all says, yeah, 
yeah, buddy, I've got one of those in my lab for studying people or, you know, medical needs. Just one? You don't have anything else or any other, like, escape pods or anything? Because what I'm thinking is, is if we're concerned about the effects that going through the time field is going to have on our bodies, maybe we can put ourselves in some sort of stasis chamber, or at least the people who've been most affected for it. It doesn't sound like it's going to be as critical for our crew, but maybe for your crew, if we can put everybody in some sort of stasis field, maybe the effects won't be as significant. It's an interesting idea, but I do only have the one cryopod. It uses a lot of specialized chemicals and medications that we don't have access to. I I can't imagine how we would fabricate more. All right, we'll put it on the side burner, but that's something I think I need to give some thought to. I pull Hank aside where no one else can hear us. Now you're down an engineer. With you and the furry guy and me helping, I guess, how much time would it reasonably take you to reinforce the whole of the cautious optimism? I am going to assume days, Captain. What does God say about his assumption? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> days would be correct. And the more time you have, the more reinforcing you could do. But yeah. A few days for at least the first pass of it, yes. You got 72 hours. Take the furry guy, start working now. Hey, wormhole person. Uh, yes, that's me. Scientist Seehefe, thank you very much. You got 72 hours to make your plan work. Let's go back and talk to the Lorndon about shutting this time bubble. All right. If you can get me the power from your spaceship, I think it's ready to go now. But I'll certainly double check the machine and all of my calculations. Was that the Lorndon? No, no, no. That was lead scientist Seehefe. Okay. So did the Lorndon come with us, or is yeah, he he's, he's trailing along. He's okay. He's been going. He's been in the back because he's sad. Nobody let him talk. What's his name? He is Harvu Erst. All right, Harvu Erst. Oh, you got seventy-two hours to make your time machine work. I won't need any of that time. I'm ready right now. The time machine is good to go. And incidentally, it's a chrono modification field generator, not a time machine. It doesn't actually allow people to travel forward or backwards throughout time. It simply modifies the field of time in it around it. Kyan puts his hand in front of the guy's face and he's like, don't need the details. <laughs> don't need the details. Thank you. As you do that in your mind, Joe's character hears, oh, what do you know about science? You're just a matorb anyway, big dummy. Wow. Uh-oh. But- Nobody else heard that. He didn't say it out loud. He's not going to say anything, but he definitely is taken aback. And so uh, somebody might notice that there's a problem. <laughs> All right, everybody. The cautious optimism leaves one way or another in 72 hours. It's up to you guys to figure out our best route. And I walk back to my ship to start peeling away the decals that are burnt. <laughs> Lead scientist Seehefe says, All right. I like her take charge attitude. Cynthia? Keep working on your power supply from gravity system. Just as a plan B, if we can get more energy, that's going to help us. Medical doctor Harvu Dahl, could you work with the Matorb and the cat? Show them your hydroponics bay and see if you can feed their engine some better food. Jack Su Fanglar, you and their engineer are going to work on the ship. And Harvu, double check your chrono modification field generator. If we need to use it, please make sure it's going to do more good than harm. And he just looks at her and goes, and the scientists all start walking off towards their appointed duties. Oh, I can also help load supplies that are left on the station onto the ship. 
like food rations and medical supplies or anything else that we're, we're going to try to salvage. Because I got to think about things to do. Dr. Harfudal walks up to Rico and Joe's character and says, all right, let's go see my med bay and my hydroponics bay. And yeah, Captain, if you want to come with, I think we have some food and stuff there that you might want to load onto the ship and everything. You got it. You guys want to follow me? Yes, we'd love to. So, sounds like we have a highly effective plan in place. I'm sure it will go off without any problems whatsoever. Hello, I'm Joe Hogan, the editor of As the Dice Roll. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Cautious Optimism. So many of you may have noticed that Todd has been avoiding saying Kyan's name in this episode. That's because just before we started to record this episode, I mentioned that Kyan was pouty because everyone kept yelling at him and mispronouncing his name. So, of course, Todd ran with that. And if you were confused as to what was going on, that's what's going on in this episode. We here at As the Dice Roll would love your help building our community. If you enjoy our show, let your friends know. Tell your gaming groups, talk about us at your comic shops, share us on your social media. And to encourage you to spread the word, we've got a contest. So follow us on Twitter, retweet the pinned tweet on the As the Dice Roll account at As the Dice Roll RP with the hashtag As the Dice Roll, and you'll be entered to win the What Is Not OSHA Van t shirt. You can be entered once a day from now until Monday, October 25th. Remember, you must follow the As The Dice Roll Twitter account and include the hashtag As The Dice Roll to qualify. The winner will be announced on the October 26th episode of What Is Not. And if you want to see what the van image looks like, go check out our Instagram at As The Dice Roll. We're talking zombies on Geekitude through the end of October. Last week, we talked about British zombies via 28 Days Later and Shaun of the Dead. And Katie, who plays Beth over on What Is Not?, We'll be joining me once again this week as we talk about Zombies in Love with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Warm Bodies. Bam and Todd have released a new episode of Farming Simulated. You can also catch Todd on his podcast Nerdberg Review, Kelly on Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, and if you're into World of Warcraft, make sure to catch Raven on Girls Gone Wow. If you want to chat with us in real time, go check out our Slack channel over on the geek to geek Media Network Slack, which you can find by going to the Contact Us tab on the network website at geek2geekmedia.com. While you're there, you can also join the geek to geek Media Discord server. And finally, you can always email us at podcast at asthedicerollcast.com or leave us a voice message by clicking on the link on our website at asthedicerollcast.com. And if you do that, I may even include your comments in this mid-show intermission. That's it for me this week. I'll be back next Friday, October 22nd, with the next episode of Cautious Optimism. Until then, let's see what the crew finds in the hydroponics bay after a quick commercial break. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network, a community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. 
Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. So let's go ahead and fast forward to his science bay, his hydroponics bay, his whole laboratory. And as you walk in, you see what looks like it used to be a state-of-the-art, very slick, very fancy medical science facility. But it's not that way anymore. There's a lot of dirt, like literal dirt, and crates and things all over the place, and a large rickety structure that appears to be a makeshift hydroponics bay where there's a whole bunch of plants growing in little tiny containers on this scaffolding of metal pipe going all the way to the ceiling. And you see little leaks of water here and there. Obviously, the pipes are transferring water throughout the system. And the pipes almost appear to be sweating as maybe condensation or something causes water to bubble up on the outside of them and and leak down. And as you walk in, he points to the pipes and he says, this is a problem with the time dilation. Occasionally, we get micro fractures inside the piping and water starts to leak out. It's not a huge deal with the water system, but Argbar Zoo is, and then he pauses when he says her name, and then he continues. She had a lot of trouble with life support, microfractures like that, bad for the air. <sighs> anyway, but this is my hydroponics bay. Uh, I've modified a lot of these plants so that they could grow in artificial grow lights and in the uh, high gravity field here. Could I uh, take a look at the genetic structure of the of the plants as you've altered it? Um, and uh, maybe I'll compare that to the notes that Kyan and I made earlier about what was needed. Sure. He picks a small fruit. It looks like a half banana, half strawberry. <laughs> and he takes it over. He leads you, Rico, over to one of his stations where he has a little scanner and there's a big screen and he puts the fruit under the scanning device. And he says, you're a scientist yourself, huh? Yes, yes. Well, by all means, feel free. You and and our uh, Matorb doctor friend both, feel free to use any of my equipment and help yourself to the vegetables and fruits. I mean, make yourself at home. Okay. Thank you very much, doctor. It's very kind. And I'm going to roll for some science action. Okay. Rolling the dice has woken the cat up. I have got 11 against a 13, so it's a success by two. The modifications he's made wouldn't affect the microorganisms in the chloro drive. It would be perfectly good to feed this to them. One thing you notice is that there is a hint of increased damage to the DNA of the plant that's unusual. Hmm. I wonder if this time dilation is having a, an effect on the plant's DNA. That seems concerning. But it looks like this will be suitable. So, um, yeah, I guess we should get some of it into our organisms. Well, excellent. Do we have any idea kind of how much we're going to need? Or is that something Kyan might? I would say that this is an all or nothing venture. So I would say let's just take it all and get it. Just throw it all in. <laughs> I mean, like, do it in batches to make sure that it's working properly, but I say the more we use, the better it will work. Hmm. Yes, seems reasonable. Okay, well, let's try and get as much as we can of this into some kind of uh, travel order. Now, at this point, our only source of food for the station, so 
we might want to save enough to eat during the journey to, you know, wherever we're going. Uh, I mean, we have plenty of rations on the ship. Okay, then. I don't think we're going to survive this not working. So it's not like we're going to be stuck here. It seems like we're at a point where this is an all or nothing venture. Okay, well, here, I also have this. And he shows you to another much smaller pipe scaffolding setup where he's growing a bunch of leafy plants. And he says, this is a plant from my home planet. It's native to our home planet. When boiled in water, these leaves release a lot of caffeine and a lot of other chemicals that create a tea that I like to drink. We ran out of coffee a long time ago, and so a lot of our crew have been using this to get our caffeine fixed these days. If you all want to feed this into your microbiome machine or... Just use it to make some tea to get a little extra energy. Uh, I don't know. This is definitely something I want to bring with us, though. Ah, yes, we should definitely bring it with you. Gosh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that you ran out of coffee. That sounds like a disaster. (laughs) It was a disaster and a long list of disasters. I think that's the biggest disaster I've heard of so far. Let's get this all packed up and ready to move. Fair enough. And then he points to a large pod device and he says doctor that's my cryopod over there should we load it onto your ship as well we should at least load it on i don't know that there's anything we can do without more of them but you know it'll be good if somebody's really having an adverse reaction we might be able to do something for them with it sounds good all right it sounds like we've got a busy day of packing stuff up ahead of us Let's get to work. Packing up montage. Packing up montage. (laughs) (laughs) At some point when Kyan is able to get Rico aside with nobody else listening, like perhaps while they're in his med bay on the ship waiting for more things to come in, because I'm assuming at some point they just start assembling and like putting things in places as opposed to just loading it on. He's going to pull Rico aside and tell her about both the dream Did he tell her about the dream already? No, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. Okay, so he's going to explain the dream, and then he's going to explain the incident that just happened with the Lorndon. Oh, and you haven't accidentally taken any more tears of the gods? He shakes his head, and he's kind of got a very concerned look on his face. No, I don't know if it's just a delayed reaction. I don't know if going through the time bubble has somehow done something. I mean, there's a lot of talk of, of altering DNA because of it. So, I don't know, it's very concerning. There are certainly some molecular level changes going on. Uh, And also, we were talking yesterday when looking at my scans about neurons, weren't we? Hmm, that is very concerning. Um, I don't know whether we have time to do anything about it now, though. Because because the captain's given us 72 hours or nothing. Right, I think I just want somebody else to know because it's kind of stressing me out. And if you could keep an eye on me. I'd appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I think we should probably get this power issue sorted first, but then uh, maybe we should run some scans. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. I assume there really isn't enough time for them to run scans like now, because this is a kind of all hands on deck. Let's see if we can fix the power situation. Right. 
I mean, if you run the scans, you may not have time to load all the supplies and whatnot yeah. that you're trying to do. Yeah. I think we prioritize the loading the supplies and getting all the stuff that we need and starting to feed up because presumably this sort of culture, you'll have to introduce a little bit and wait for the organisms to kind of get used to it and then like throw some more in and you know, it's it's a, yeah. it's like a delicate system. You can't just like throw it all over the side and be like, there you go, organisms, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> You're exactly right. You're going to want to introduce it slowly, yeah. Yeah, and it won't matter if you can read minds if we're all dead. No, exactly. So, so, we're, right. so we'll definitely prioritize the getting the stuff on the ship and sorting the organisms out. Yes. That sounds like a good plan. While you guys are doing that, let's head over to... Jaxu Fanglor, who I imagine is helping Hank reinforce the Cautious Optimism's hull. Let's start with the moment that he walks into the bay where the Cautious Optimism is parked, and he says, where should we begin? Uh, so the ship's full of a metric butt-ton of holes, so I'm going to say right here in front of us, and we'll work our way around. Okay. I would suggest we start by retrieving some of the metal from the star drive that was just destroyed since it's already in pieces. And floating in space. Uh, yes. I will put on my spacesuit. Would you like to don your spacesuit and join me? I feel like the fear from the dream, that's what he wore to the meeting <laughs> and has been wearing ever since. Yeah. Okay, you are already suited up, I see. So I just need the helmet up. We will go. And we go. What kind of role would this be? I mean, I want to see how much good usable material you find while working in the zero-gravity environment outside the station. That's a couple of different things. We would need some kind of dexterity role, I think, to see how good you are at maneuvering out there. All right, we'll roll for dex. That's a fail by two. Okay. <laughs> Hey. Yikes. Oh, my dex is a 10, so. So as you guys are outside the station, you're tethered to the station, and you're basically using tools and equipment to try to grab the debris that's floating around and pull it to the station and, and bring it inside. And what ends up happening is Hank keeps losing his, his little magnetic boots keep coming off of the station, and he starts floating away. Your tether keeps you perfectly safe, but then you have to kind of pull yourself back to the station and try again. This all ends up resulting in you not bringing in a whole lot of actual usable material. After a couple hours of this, I think Fanglor talks to you through the little radios in your helmets and says, This is no good. Uh, let's go inside. We'll strip metal from the inside. Roger. Over and out. So the two of you come back in. And uh, let's just do this day by day. During the first day that the scientists and all are loading up food and feeding the microbes and everything, you guys are trying to reinforce the ship. We've already spent a couple hours kind of fruitlessly gathering stuff from the outside. You still have a lot of the day to harvest materials from inside the ship. Now let's get an engineering check to see how successful you are at scavenging and then welding that stuff onto the to the ship success by two all right so as long as you're inside the station you're doing an excellent job and you feel like you're able to get maybe i was going to say half the ship but you wasted some time with the zero g stuff so let's say a third of the ship is armored up reinforced with the metal you got from the station by the time it's getting to be the end of the day okay we have done good work 
Yes, I, I fear that it's not going to be enough, given the timeline we've got, is, though. Well, we will either survive and it will be a glorious adventure, or we will die and we will see each other in the next life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm excited to be leaving this godforsaken station. Do you know what it is like to spend a year living with a Lorndon? You do not. No. You do not. Nobody does but the Lorndons, and they don't mind because they're also Lorndons, and they like each other. I don't mean to sound racist, but I'm beginning to dislike Lorndons quite a lot. That is a sense that is spreading quickly. <laughs> Do you know, when he first told me about his time experiment, I said to him, I said, you should not do this. You should not do this thing. You must do more math. You must do more studies. And then you should not do this thing near where other people are living. Yes? Yes. You should do it out in nowhere where there is no one around. I said this to him, and he said that I was small-minded and dumb and did not understand. He said he is, he is at all under control, he said. He did not, though. He did not have it under control. He has big ego and small brain, I think. <laughs> yes, you agree? Agreed. <laughs> I like you, Hank. I like me as well. <laughs> you do not waste time with many words, like all the others. Well, I'm tired. I stayed up all night last night, so. <laughs> Come. The doctor makes a, a tea, a Dulonian tea. It does not taste good, but... It is all we have. I will. I will show you. It is. It, it is not coffee, but it is okay. Next time on Cautious Optimism, we're gonna have the Chloro drive up to full power. We're gonna fire up the wormhole generator and beam your ship outside the time bubble with all of us on board. I, I'd like to load my chrono modification field generator onto the Cautious Optimism so we can take it with us. You're suddenly overcome by an almost uncontrollable rage. What have you done? You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at Pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at ComicBox.Libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at MSEdwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the geek to geek Media Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, streams, and content at geek to geek mediacom If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at asthedicerollcast.com.